0: All right, welcome to our listeners from Marching Units West Coast to East Coast and back again. I am Jack Goodrow, and my life is pretty much parades. I want to dive deep into all things our marching arts have to offer on a water break at Step Off. So I'm so excited to start our first episode of On a Water Break at Step Off with a dear friend and mentor of mine, Kevin Conquest. I I brought him on because I wanted our viewers to have a great understanding of what the international Scottish drum majoring experience is. A lot of words there, right? Bagpipes, drum majors, Scottish dancers, so much of that. And I'm so pleased to welcome senior drum major Kevin Conquest to the podcast to be able to talk to us about all things in that, in that realm of marching activity. So Kevin, sort of a tradition here that we have on the podcast, we're going to give you eight counts on a Met and then 32 counts to explain your entire marching arts life story and beyond. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, let's give them eight counts. (laughs) All right. Born in Chicago,
1: a bit of a musical family. My mother played guitar. My dad did a bit of uh, side drumming in school. Fell in love with music at an early age. Joined the band in school in fifth grade to play saxophone. Moved on to uh, drums and also saxophone and marching band. Saw the drum major on my first day of band. Said this is what I was going to do. And that set me on a path down an amazing life so far. All right.
0: Pretty, pretty, good. All right. <laughs> have, now that we have that, that, that run out of the way, I just wanted to just sort of open things up with how have you been and what have you been recently doing in the world of Scottish drum majoring? What's, what's the past few months been looking like for you? And I, I've been able to be with you for the past few months in that regard, but I want to hear it from, from your take. Question.
1: So it, it's been an amazing past couple of months. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I feel like in many ways I'm living the dream of what any pipe band drum major would want to do. Uh, we had an amazing time just this fall, uh, starting back in the summertime. Actually, it will conclude late summer. I was able to be on the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo in Scotland again, which uh, required awesome. being in Scotland for the entire month of August. Jack, you did that in 2022, so you know what that's like. I remember and it like, well. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's like living a combination of and a tournament every day for the yep. entire month did that. And then uh, the Estes Park uh, International Tattoo in Colorado, we did that just after we got back from Scotland in September, which was awesome to play with uh, a Marine Corps band from Camp Pendleton in California, the first Marine Division band. We had the United States Army Old Guard Fife and Drum Corps. And yes. uh, we also awesome. had... Um, Oh, it was an amazing time. You know, really good stuff. And then, of course, I know the answer that you're looking for is that we just got done doing the Tournament of Roses Parade, which was the largest pipes and drums band that we've ever put into the Rose Parade, including Highland dancers. We had people from five countries, so it was amazing to see the experiences of an international crowd coming in. And, and for us, you know, coming from that high school marching band fraternity, that crowd, we right. know what it is. And it's the dream that so many especially California band students, but everyone in the country, really, we all live for the possibility to do that parade, but to see their faces and their experience as well as ours, knowing that some of us, it was our first time marching in it, was absolutely amazing. So it's been a wonderful several months.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like I think back to the Rose Parade as such an awesome educational moment for someone coming up through the drum major ranks in the Scottish style as well, too, because our our cross-sectional cut of different drum majors from around the world The amount of knowledge that was there at that front rank was truly just a a gem to take away from that experience and i know that i mean we have lifelong friends in that rank and it's just awesome to be able to listen to those stories sit down after rehearsal and have those talks with each other and listen to what the what their experience going through the ranks was like in regards to their own career and so that was probably one of my favorite parts was aside from the amazing the amazing 6 mile parade right was sitting down with everyone and talking to each other about their how they got into this art form and that's what that's really what we're doing here today so um actually now that you brought it up i think it's it would be good for the viewers who might not know what a tattoo is could you just give a just a quick just sort of general description of what a tattoo is for our viewers absolutely so
1: the the biggest misnomer right it has nothing to do with ink on skin it's not that type of uh So, the military tattoo of a beating retreat. And if you think about it going way back several centuries, you know, well before telephones, well before radio, well before anything else, how did you signal soldiers in the field? It was done one of two ways. It was either done with a bugle or it was done with a drum. And the old drummers' calls that would be made, every beating had a different meaning. Every bugle call, which we still know today, has a meaning. And but what would happen was in the European armies in the 16th and 17th centuries, uh, at the end of the night, when it was time to end liberty and return everybody to barracks, they'd send a drummer or a bugler through the village, beating that tap, making that call, and that was the turn to go back. So the Dutch phrase that the innkeepers would use in, in Europe, the Dutch innkeepers would say doden tap toe, which became anglicized over the years to tap toe and then tattoo all of the sunset ceremonies that we see in military forces around the world uh, especially the united states marine corps uh, sunset parade and uh, you know the tattoos in scotland tattoos here in the us the military academy tattoos uh, basil tattoo in switzerland all of these different tattoos have that same common origin and in a way it's almost like a musical genealogy that lineage goes back to that so that's what a tattoo is in modern terms it is a spectacle of drill music uh, pageantry all the works an hour to 90 minutes and they're held all over the world and it's amazing to see international casts of different groups get together one tattoo may have groups from 10 different countries and a variety of different styles Um, it's just fantastic
0: Yeah, I I remember when I remember, obviously, I I lucked out such an atypical experience to have my first tattoo be the Royal (laughs) Emperor military tattoo. (laughs) You you certainly went up. I mean, you went for the top and you you know, if you got it 100, yeah, zero to 100 in 10 seconds. But probably one of my favorite moments about discovering what it meant to be a tattoo was really that it was a definition of of society, it was every facet, every culture was represented in an awesome performance and the way that it just meshed together. One of my favorite takeaways from that experience was seeing the commonality in humanity. And I think that's what you were talking about, how we, and anything that our art form does, we always bring everyone in together to, to, to march as one solid unified group. And that's, that's the magic really of tattoos for me. So we are talking a lot about where you are now, where, how that, we we got 32 counts of where, where you came from, but I kind of want to, I kind of want to fill in. So we have point A and point B over here. Mm-hmm. So when, after high school, did you realize you wanted to stick with the drum majoring activity because you were a very successful high school parade drum major, right? You were in, uh, uh well, you were in Vista High School marching band, right? I was. Uh, I, yes, I went to Vista High School, and my first experience with that band
1: program was actually in eighth grade. Uh, we had the opportunity as middle schoolers to play with the high school band marching through Disneyland uh, for yeah, Disney awesome. Magic Music Days, which was really popular back then. Uh, again, going back to our Rose Parade experience that we just had, the ability right. to march through Disneyland, again, it brought back a lot of memories, but man, that was a long time ago. Yeah. But to answer your question, uh, I didn't get out of high school. Before realizing that I still wanted to do it afterwards, I was looking for opportunities all through high school to keep playing, whether that was uh, playing guitar, which I also play, or sax, or drums, or anything. But I fell in love with being a drum major. Honestly, it was something where I just knew that I wanted to do it. And I will tell you, still to this day, that I'm at my happiest when I'm out front. Um, It's just the place that I want to be. If I could figure out a way to do it full time and and make a, a, a true living out of it, I would have done it in a heartbeat. So truthfully, I was looking for that opportunity, and I was looking for opportunities, whether that was uh, joining the Marines to play as a musician in the Marines, or um, the Navy had actually wanted me to join. And, you know, being a teenager and, and having a teenage mindset, the last thing I wanted to do at that point in time was march across a parade ground in bottoms. But right. <laughs> now I do it in a kilt. So. At least you get some breathing
0: room in there, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but uh, truthfully, I wanted to keep with this no matter what um, when I got out of high school. So I started learning how to uh, do drum majoring for pipe bands uh, my senior year of high school and also started learning the pipes at at the same time. And, you know, I was lucky enough to be in Southern California where there's a great uh, pipe band community and was able to uh, learn from Mickey Shaw right away. And right. she got me started. And, and we we actually moved to the Phoenix area right after I graduated from high school. And I was able to jump into a pipe band within two weeks of being here. So it was almost predestined. I was going to do this,
0: you know. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So so let's talk about that. So you you you, you get training from uh, Mickey in Southern California, and then you show up that first day to your first Scottish Games competition. Do you remember that that what that feeling was like? I I had that experience basically two years ago, right? I had that first experience. And I know you've you've had a long career now. But can you think back to that first time you walked out there, realizing the importance of the uniform, realizing the format of everything? Like, how did how did that all play out for you? I kind of want to hear that first taste experience that you had. Oh,
1: for sure. And, you know, it was an interesting experience because unlike the scholastic circuit where you're competing against fellow students and, and you kind of know the age ranges of, of who you're competing against it, it's a very different world to step out of school and then go into something where you're a very young new adult competing against adults and in adult bands and at totally different everything different culture etc so i remember my first contest uh, it was in tucson in 1995. Awesome. And okay. I, I remember it very well. And, and some of it translated, right? Some of what we did on the L pattern circuit translated well to the uh, pipe band community for drum major competitions. Like, for example, the dress inspection. Uh, right. we, we knew, and I knew what that was like. Uh, you know, the rules are a little bit different. There's some things were a bit more strict where other things are a bit more forgiving in it, when it comes to the dress. But okay. uh, it, it was overwhelming, you know, to jump into something completely new and, and you just give it your all. You know, just try, try your best, but a bit intimidating. Um, I had an okay performance. I actually wound up buying a new mace about an hour before the contest because I was just breaking. Um, I, I had done the, uh, I had done the uh, Tom Peacock mace with the premier head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and then did it, did, it matter,
0: it? did it shatter like 10 minutes before the performance or uh, something? I, like?
1: Yeah. Not, not that day, but I had snapped so many canes leading up to my first contest and, you know, learning from videotapes that uh, Mickey and other drum majors would send to me in the mail of contests in Scotland and whatnot. So, you know, watching the drill, learning the flourishes try, try, trying to mimic that, but what you're watching is throw after throw after throw. And I'm thinking I have to go out and do this and oh, I have absolutely. to, you know, you know, I have to throw it really high and everything. So I'm just snapping canes left, right, and center leading up to this contest. So I wind up buying a, a new mace an hour before the contest at the games and uh, did all right with it, but it's so much lighter. Cause it was a uh, Dolman. So it was a much lighter thing. So threw off my. And uh, uh, but I still took second. So it wasn't
0: bad. Hey, that's pretty good. Who yeah. or Were you were you, up, were you up against any of uh, your uh, any of your uh, later friends from the high school circuit or was it just you?
1: It was, it was just me from that circuit. And then Mickey was competing as well. She took first and then a uh, uh, gentleman by the name of Joe Leonard, who was also really encouraging to me in my younger days. He's, he's long since passed on, but um, he was a uh, third. So it was a s-
0: nice small day, but it was a great start and right. uh, definitely hooked me into wanting to do this more. Absolutely. Yeah. No. So that for me, it was the Monterey game. So we, it was a small, it, it was a smaller uh, drum major competition before Pleasanton. Right. So that's, That's sort of our in Northern California. We have a series of events leading up to Pleasanton, um, which is basically the the Western United States Drum Major Championship up here. You you know it well. You've judged it. You've you've competed in it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I can really resonate with starting at that small um, that small competition before taking that that big step into that that large competition. And I'm so grateful that I did that because everyone's first competition, you're learning on the go, and it's important to have that experience to really check everything as much as possible before you before you go into the, that major competition so you actually mentioned um you actually mentioned some of your mentors and i kind of wanted to explore that a little bit who were some of your big mentors outside of just mickey and uh, and the the regional people that you grew up or around um who helped propel your drum major career beyond just your first several years in the drum majoring art form um for the scottish style
1: Uh, I think, um, you know, we're certainly a community that raises each other. And I had tons of mentors along the way. Jim Thompson uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, he was drum major for many years for the Atlanta Pipe Band. He's been my life mentor in more than just Pipe Band. Everything from career, going to school, family and everything else. he, He helped. He helped raise me, truly. And then also um, Chris Hosick, the pipe major from Mesa. I mean, he's been a second father the entire way through, just like Jim. But a lot of the drum majors along the way were extremely helpful. Um, John Noble, Alan McBride, Brian Wilson, Alistair Patterson, Roger Young, uh, a ton of them along the way on the uh, competing side. And then. And some of the drum majors from the British military that have befriended me over the years have been crucial in, in getting the drill right and, and wanting to do things the way that it's done over there, to make it authentic over here. Jeffrey McCready, who was another drum major judge over in Northern Ireland,
0: he's been extremely helpful to me over the years as well. Awesome. So that with that being said, I'm going to call the group to dismissal for about, roughly about two minutes, and then we'll be on step-off in a little bit. Hey everyone, it's Jeremy, the producer from On A Water Break, the main show, and while you're enjoying this great bonus content from some amazing hosts, there's a whole other show happening with guests, news, and plenty of other fun things that you and your friends are talking about on a water break. So take a moment, go subscribe so that you can get your notifications every week for the main episode of On A Water Break. If you have news or know of somebody that would be a great guest, or maybe you would be a great guest email us at on podcast at gmail.com and don't forget to follow us on social media at on a and now back to this fantastic bonus content and we'll see you at the show all right so now that we're back and i've called you to attention it's time to take that first step off here we go All right. So we're back here with Kevin Conquest. So we were talking a lot about tattoos, your journey as a drum major, and we began uh, discussing your first taste of what the Scottish competition was like. So for our uh, for our listeners, I wanted to really uh, sort of parse out what is the Scottish drum major competition like? What's the format uh, for someone who's never seen it before? Because if I'm being honest, the a common person might not, might not even understand what we're doing in regards to our flourishing uh, competition, right? Right. It, it is very different
1: from what any high school drum major might uh, expect to see. It's definitely different from an L pattern, right? And I would say in some regards, it's similar to the street review in the sense that it's very heavy on the marching and deportment. So the way that the contests are set up, it's run with a line of breast format. So you're basically a rank of drum majors that are marching at the same time. Uh, typically, you'll see it no more than five across. That's hard for a judge to, to watch if it's bigger than that. Uh, and I speak from experience, but uh, how it works out is everything starts off with an inspection of your dress in the morning. And they'll go through and they'll check to see that everything is being worn correctly, that everything is clean and tidy, uh, that your kilt hose are worn level. On the legs, the flashes that uh, keep the hose up, they have a little ribbon, and those have to be centered on the front of the legs. Your kilt has to be level front to back and and, uh, free of wrinkles and front to back, side to side. Uh, One level, the sporin, which hangs in front of the kilt, that needs to be centered in front of the body and no more than one hand's width from the bottom of your uh, waistcoat button or your jacket. Jacket and and waistcoat or vest has to be clean, the necktie has to be on properly, shirt has to be pressed, the collar has to be laying right, your Glengarry has to be worn, your hat, Glengarry, for those who may not know, uh, that has to be worn a certain way and centered. With the tails on the back, those have to be free of creases. The mace needs to be clean and shiny. We have some judges that will actually blow on the mace head to fog it up to see if there's any fingerprints. And uh, it's it's a very u- unique process. And there's a lot of pride that goes into our our kit, our uniforms, as we say in yes. the uh, Scottish community, because there is a lot of pride that goes into wearing the kilt in general. I mean, Highland dress. That Scottish identity is is very fiercely protected and respected so that starts off that and then we'll uh, play we'll actually perform in the contest uh, compete to a pipe band playing for us so unlike an L pattern where we'll use recorded music we get a live band playing for us and they use a 6-8 march the the 6-8 idiom in pipe bands is very easy to march to it has a nice swing to it so played up tempo for the drum majors it's actually fun to get out there and you know put, step forward and, and strut our stuff and, and, and do that. So what will happen is the 6-8 idiom is basically set up in a call-and-answer pattern, which is very much a traditional callback to the drum as a signal instrument right? for giving communication in the field. So the music is set up in parts, and there is a first time through a part and then a repeat, which uh, we'll call the single 40 and the double 40 or the piano in 40, which is a bit of a misnomer, but, you, you know, you understand it. Uh, but the idea is that just like with the drummers, uh, the lead drummer plays a part through the first time through with the rest of the drummers in the core playing just a bit of it. So it's a call and answer. And then on the repeat of the part, all the drummers play and it's much louder and they play everything through straight through the same thing happens with how we're doing things as a drum major on the march in the drum major competition the first time through the part we're beating time with the mace or we're doing the state walk which a lot of us on this side of the pond would call the cane walk
0: right right yeah
1: so we do that the first time through the part and then the second time through the part we're spinning and doing our routines the flourishing and the flourishing is completely up to the individual drum major they've got 16 counts in the part to do whatever they need to do, but um, however they do it, the timing needs to be set that the mace is still going back to the carry in their left hand on 13, 14, and then the arm down 15, 16, and we go right back into the part. So the contest is set up that we do this in one big rank or line of breast. We go down the field, typically two parts of music, marching and flourishing. And then we'll do um, an about turn on the march, which is also known as a counter march. So there's a a specific mace signal that we must execute to bring the mace up to a vertical position, bring our feet in, do the about turn, and then we come back retracing our steps where we were going. Same thing again, depending on what part of the music you're in, you're either doing the beating of time or you're flourishing. And then you go back down to your start point, do another about turn on the march. You'll bring yourself out of that with the maestro, and you typically get one more part of flourishing in before you then have to execute a mark time and halt signal, and then you'll also cut off the band. Again, some differences between the uh, scholastic world and the pipe band world is that if you think about it, on the street or even an L pattern, you're not judged on ever cutting off a band. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's it's actually interesting to have. Potentially five drum majors marching with each other, competing, and they all have to know exactly they have to wait for each other to be in, in line, and they have to know exactly where in the part of music to cut off the tune, because they're stopping the band. It's not the judge. And that goes into your scoring. So the, the way that the scoring works out, it's in a 100-point system, and 20 points are allocated for dress. You start with a perfect score on dress, and you have a point taken off for each uh, item of dress that's not correct. And then the marching and deportment is set for 40 points. And the four categories are your marching, which is your basics, you know, left and right, staying on step, the arm swing. Is it straight up and you know parallel to the ground when you're swinging the arm? Is your beating of time in the music? Uh, you're, you know, all the, all the, just the standard basic stuff of marching. There's 10 points for that. The deportment is your bearing, your eyeline, are you looking around? Is your head straight on and, and how, how clean and crisp is your your drill performance and then the other two categories for marching and deportment are foot drill and mace drill uh there's a specific style which is very different from the the american marching band style or even the american military band style very different foot drill when you think about a lot more swagger right yeah a lot more swagger but also the, the very high knee lift with the uh with the angle of the lower leg and the the toes hanging downward. Um, same thing with the maestril It's a very different set of commands. You wouldn't see them typically used in front of um, a U.S. military band or even a scholastic band. So, you know, 40 points for the marching and deportment. And then the flourishing, again, is 40 points. The variety, all the different ideas that you have, what you ever, whatever you put together for your routine, that's worth 20 points. And then there's quality and difficulty, which are worth uh, 10 points each. So um, it can become very competitive Based on the fact that if you look over the years at, at who's been very good in our circuit, and, and depending even on the day weather, you know whether it's you know cloudy or sunny, because throwing into the sun is a very different story than throwing with the sun at your back. Um, if it's windy, that affects your flourishing, especially if you have a very lofty, no pun intended, but lo- <laughs> you know lofty performance style, uh, that can affect things. Rain can definitely affect it because we go on rain or shine in the uh, pipe band world. Uh, So all of this has an input, even, even how fast the band goes, because typically we try, as drum major adjudicators, we try to make sure that we're doing things consistently with each other, but sometimes bands will take off on the tempos, especially if you go over to the World Championships in Glasgow, what's happening is it's not the same band playing for every heat of drum it's majors. Yeah, you easy. know the bands that I think it's usually the grade 3 bands that are coming off the arena, they just got done with their competition set and they're asked to play for the drum majors. Right. So what happens is one band may be slow, another band might be bang on, another band might be really fast and we can practice it to our hearts content with recordings. But it's best to get used to doing things at different tempos because you don't you don't know what you're going to get. That's that's the disadvantage
0: of having a live band, but it makes it more interesting at the same time. So you actually brought in something was that's a really interesting perspective. So I wanted to talk to you since you're an adjudicator here. So how do you weigh how do you weigh a performance typically? Do you, you always fall back on that execution factor, right? Like you're always really trying to find that that marching and deportment as that as that foundation, correct?
1: You know what? And and I think you knew where I was gonna go with this before you even asked, but yep, exactly. um, <laughs> so, so yes, I believe that marching and deportment is crucial. And yeah. the reason for that is it all goes back to the tradition of what is a drum major. A drum major is the person out in front of the band, leading the band, executing the signals for movement and executing the signals for music. And to you can have a wonderful performance flourishing-wise. You really can. You could do everything. You could launch that thing 60 feet in the air and catch it no problem, all that other stuff. But let's flip it a bit. You could throw it the highest on the field. You could be the fastest flourisher. You could do a bunch of crazy stuff. But if you're herking and jerking and 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 ducking and dodging to catch it, and we've all had bad days. I mean, I've certainly done that in my day. And then I've had days where I'm, I'm bang on. But the, the reality is is we have to go back to our traditional meaning of what we are as drum majors. So, so I would say that a wonderful flourishing program can be spoiled by lacking in M&D if you will so it's it's a trade-off of making sure you have the best balance of both
0: well yeah and i always sort of think about like as a as a drum major instructor i always think about the the quality over quantity concept i think really bleeds over tenfold not only just in the scholastic circuit but as well in the in the scottish circuit we want to see consistency and we want to see that tradition of military bearing and just that that sharp look out there on the parade night and that that's that's what makes the difference i mean i feel like in my opinion like it like those are the those are the differences between like an 89 and a 90 right like like those small one point differences are making making that consistency the foundation of of the routine right
1: agreed and when that standard is so high
0: um, that that one
1: point can make all the difference in the world i've seen contests where the winner was decided on dress because they're flourishing, and their M and D was that competitive. I've also seen it where somebody, um, you know, edged ahead just a little bit from just being a little bit more with their flourishing. Uh, but again, M and D, it always comes back to looking the part of a
0: drum major. Absolutely. So, as an adjudicator, where has that role taken you? What What are some of your experiences that that you've had that you wouldn't necessarily have if you were just a competitor?
1: Oh, it's it's, it's that's a great question. So I've been very fortunate to have uh, have the opportunity to judge in several different uh, regions now. So I started off as an adjudicator in the Western United States with the Western United States Pipe Band Association. I have been able to judge at Victoria, Canada in British awesome. Columbia, which is on uh, Vancouver Island. And that is the Canadian Invitational Drum Major Championship. So I've I've judged twice at that. It's been an amazing experience. I've had the uh, opportunity to judge on the East Coast as well in, awesome. in the Eastern U.S. Pipe Band Association. And what's interesting is the different formats that each association has. The rules are similar, but for example, um, on the East Coast and up in Ontario, Canada, they add the slow march to the drum major competition. So at the beginning, instead of they stepping step off, off the equipment... You yeah. step off into slow march, which, which is a totally different everything. Uh, it's a, it's, you know, it requires more concentration on balance, timing, uh, doing the state walk or the cane walk in slow time, which really impacts the marching and deportment. It shows your consistency and it shows how exact you are. So I, I've had a wonderful opportunity being able to judge in different regions. Um, I'd love the opportunity to judge overseas sometime,
0: uh, maybe one day, but we'll, we'll see where that takes me. Yeah, but no doubt we'll we'll see you there eventually. Yeah, no, I I always thought that the East Coast style was relatively interesting because it kind of tires you out. It really makes sure, like, do you have you been practicing that slow march? Have you been practicing holding your posture through that? Because it's like walking through water, and then you then you you put the the pedal to the metal for the actual for the actual uh, fast time sequence. And I think that it's cool to see those regional those regional variables, and it's a good test to really check and make sure that as a competitor, you're you're all locked in. So, so with that being said, I, I have one final question for you. And it, it really this this question really is important to me because I, I want to continue with this art form for years to come. And and that final question would be, so where do you see the drum major activity going in the upcoming years? And where do you want to see the next generation of drum majors to take this art form and this leadership role? So you you mentioned something really
1: important there, that last word, leadership, and especially coming out of the scholastic circuit, the opportunities that are provided by being in band, being in marching band in high school and college, especially being a high school or college band drum major, the, the ability to take direction, the ability to think on your feet, the ability to follow a script and execute something repeatedly. And consistently throughout an entire season those are soft skills that will take you anywhere in your career and, and, and it's so surprising how much it applies in all walks of life you know in my own career uh, i see it all the time you know the most successful people i'm not joking i ask them were you in band in high school and they say yes they were you i'm not joking when i say that i'm sorry you can typically tell the band person oh, yeah. in
0: them absolutely
1: yeah. And not just because they're walking consistently with a 30 inch pace at 120 beats per minute down the hallway at work, but that might be somebody that's, you know, I might be guilty as charged on that one myself. But so listen, where, where I see this activity going, I don't see it going away anytime soon. I think it's only going to grow, especially now that we have just gotten through some very terrible years and people are able to do things outdoors again. There's been a big focus on entertainment. I think that's why we've seen the tattoo circuit in pipe band and in brass bands pick up again, is people want to go out and do things, and they want to perform. So I see wonderful opportunities for the drum majoring community to continue. Where I'd like to see them take it, uh, from a pipe band perspective, you can be a drum major without playing a pipe or a drum. And that, that's an interesting... Toss up, right? Be- right. Because you know you can be out in front of a band, but not know much about how the band actually plays or works. So I'd like to see more integration between the pipe band drum majors and the bands themselves. We have tried formats where the drum majors compete while leading a band through a course. I- I'd actually like to see more of that over time. It's it's a lot to ask the pipe bands, especially at a large drum major competition. But maybe in an invitational setting, I think it really demonstrates putting all of these skills that we do with marching, deportment and flourishing, but puts it back into that leadership aspect that you just mentioned. So hopefully we go there.
0: Well, with that being said, I'd like to thank you, Kevin, for actually sitting down and talking to us about the Scottish art form of drum majoring. There's so many more things about the activity that we have to really touch upon. So where can people find out more about you in this art form? Where would you suggest they go? I would say anybody
1: can reach out to me online. I'm more than happy to answer questions that they might have. Uh, but in terms of resources for drum majoring, quite honestly, social media. It's amazing what's available. Uh, for the pipe band community, There's certainly things like the Regimental Drum Major Association, which they can find more online. And then my social media, you can look for me as uh, Kevin Conquest on Instagram, all one word and you can certainly find me there. I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, just reach out. Happy to answer any questions people might have.
0: All right. Awesome. I'm so grateful to be able to talk all things marching band and parade at On A Water Break at Step Off. If you know anyone who has any parade stories or who'd be interested to interview, um, feel free to email us at onawaterbreakpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to look us up on Instagram and Facebook at On A Water Break. Make sure you subscribe to us because we have plenty of other stories headed your way and with that i'll see you next time on a water break at step off